What if I told you loving yourself could change your life? It can, and I know from experience. I'm Lauren, and this is the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Everyone is worthy of self-love and guilty of letting others develop narratives about you. It's time to shut that down and own your narrative. Let's cut out the negativity and let yourself shine. It's never too late to love yourself inside out. Hey listeners, it's Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Hey everyone, I am super excited to be recording today and excited in a way because I'm going to be sharing like the real why behind all of this. And yes, what I've told you before is absolutely true, but there is one um, particular moment in my life that shaped a lot of it and that I haven't really shared before or to the, you know, widely. So I just want to share a little bit more about why I'm doing everything I am and why self-love is so important and, you know, why I'm volunteering where I do and why mental health awareness is extremely, you know, important and making sure we're vocal about things or you know, listening to ourselves when we need, you know, help or support in areas that we just can't totally figure out ourselves. And so that is why I am recording this and sharing over the next three episodes or so this episode plus two more is kind of like the my why series. And, you know, I'll talk about background, the treatment I went through, and kind of like what's next. And I am sharing this in hopes that, you know, one person out there who's listening maybe can relate or is going through something of their own that, you know, it's good just to hear somebody else's story, right? And this is going to fall mainly into the mental health awareness area, this whole thing. And so, if that at all, um, if any of my stuff that I'm going to be talking about is triggering or whatever, you know, please feel free not to tune in the next couple of weeks. Um, like I said, this one's, this episode is going to talk more about, um, situation and kind of like what led me eventually to go to treatment. And then the next one will be more about the treatment, the therapy itself, and then, you know, what the future is like post uh, treatment and all of that goodness. So just want to put it out there in case you don't want to listen. The next three episodes may not be for you. Um, but I hope you love the interview with Rebecca last week as much as I did. And so I need to preface this before I really dig in. So I'm not sharing this to give light to the incident itself. It's more about, you know, the facts of it. The details aren't needed. The timing's not needed. The who's, the what's, the where's, the why's. None of that is needed because that's that's not the story. The story is my story about what happened after the incident and how the incident changed my life. But you don't even know need to know exactly what the incident is to understand what's going on. So, and I don't want to give power to that part of it. Um, 
I really want to keep this about, you know, self-love journey and exploring who I am and, you know, refiguring that out after getting off course a little bit. So there was a time where I had a true um, perceived threat of life. And what that means is that my life was threatened, but nothing happened from it, right? Like there, I never was like, there was no uh, physical thing, but it was a very real perceived threat of life. Um, which when that happens and you realize like, you know, your life could have ended or changed dramatically. Um, mine did change somewhat after that. Right. So I find out and know about that, you know, I find out, yep, my life has been threatened. There was something about that happening. And from that moment on, it's like, in my case, things literally went back to normal or how they should have been. Like, there was no time given to it. Um, and I didn't seek resources or anything at the time of it was like, I found out about it. It felt very weighted and significant, but I didn't, um, I don't think I knew how to process it at the time. So there, I'm sure there was a period where I was just quite literally in shock. Like, is this even real? How do I even think about this? Um, you know, I guess I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what to think about it, right? Like, how do you even move through it? It's not like a TV show or a movie, um, you know, where there's a script and you're being moved to the next scene and the next thing. And somebody's like working through everything in real life. That doesn't always happen, right? It's, you know, how do you know what to do with the information and like, how do you move it through your brain and everything that, you know, you just look at things so much differently after you realize, um, that, it's like, how can you not look at situations differently? But after finding that out and like knowing about it and really realizing the gravity of it, um, you know, I went through some struggles. I definitely went to try to control things through eating um, disorder or like really controlling what I ate. Like I had to try to control the situation, right? When I felt like I couldn't control other situations, that is something that I could definitely control. Um, and how much I ate or didn't eat and all of that. So I've been through that. I have had feelings, um, of maybe wanting to escape or get away or, you know, moving on, um, from, a place and not wanting to go back, like, you know, just trying to change my setting, my scene, you know, never knowing if I was a hundred percent comfortable. Um, I had an extreme fear of like loud cars or loud noises or things like that, you know, um, cars driving 
by wherever I was, you know, the backfiring of cars or just if a car was moving too slowly or too fast or like, you know, driving right next to me, like I didn't even have to be in a car. I could be in a house. I could be in a building. I could be wherever and still hearing the car or car slow down or like a weird noise or all of that. Like I would hear all of it. Like it was almost like I had uh, sensors turned on 24 seven, like a heightened state of awareness around, you know, cars being around. And I have lived on busy streets, like my entire life. (laughs) So I mean, the odds of hearing cars is uh, very frequent. Um, But yes, that was one of the things that, you know, I could always tell you where a car was or um, what, you know, if they were making noise or something, I knew always what was going on around me. Like I became very aware of anything around me, very observant um, in a way, kind of like inventing scenarios in my head of worst case that could happen. Like, I always was like, where's my escape route? How does this work? You know, who's in the room with me? If I needed to, could I hide in here? Like I always was planning like a plan of action. And it was, and it's kind of like, you know, as I've gone through life and stuff, you start to realize like things that maybe, you do differently than others. And I don't mean like in your day to day, but like, um, cause we're all unique and we're all different, but I mean, like in, at, you know, at work they do safety trainings and stuff about like, if a gunman was to come in or something, you know, and, um, having been working, actually, I think almost every job I've been at has had some sort of safety training in that way, especially when I've worked at financial institutions and stuff. But it was always about, you know, how do you protect yourself? Like knowing where your exits are, you know, what's, how do you hide and then move and all these things. And I remember at one of the safety trainings, um, the person who was facilitating said something like, you know, a majority of people don't walk into a room and know where all their exits are or like where they could hide. It's not something that, you know, you think of every time you walk into a room, you're just like, oh, hey, I'm in a new room now. And when the facilitator said that, I was like, wait a second, I have always known (laughs) where my exits are. I've always mapped out a room the moment I walk into it. I have always looked at like the cabinetry, the desks, whatever's there to know if I needed to, could I hide here? And then how could I get out if, you know, it was safe to do so. But it just kind of floored me. Like it's moments like that where it floors me and and I realize like I've been processing the world differently than a lot of people do. And the fact that I just never a hundred percent felt safe. I always felt like I had to like look over my shoulder. Um, you know, it, I always felt like I needed to have a plan. Like I couldn't just be, and it didn't matter where it was, you know, like I said, um, I also feel like I want to escape or go somewhere, but 
the thoughts that I had about fear or like knowing that things could change in an instant or, you know, something could happen in my mind, right? Like once the perceived threat of life incident occurred, like it was done, it was over. There was no more after that. However, my mind couldn't like go of that. So I always was looking at situations, um, about that. Like, how could I make it through if something ever happened again, which it never has. It was a one and done incident. Um, and what I mean by one and done is that there wasn't this continued perceived threat of life. It was an isolated incident. How, yeah. But like my brain didn't know how to make that a real thing for me, that it was, you know, the threat wasn't still there. And so I just, I've, I've realized that, you know, I was always doing these things or thinking things. I mean, there was even one time I remember where I thought somebody had broken in because I heard a loud noise and it turns out it had, there was no real loud noise and nobody broke in. And, but I could get myself into these scenarios where I would believe some noise so much that I was sure something was happening when nothing was happening. And, you know, it's not a fun place to be when you're always doing that, but it just became my reality to function in that way. Um, and to like, it was my new norm for me. Like, I didn't even know that there's a true normal, but for me and the way I process, like it's just second nature to me to think through all the scenarios or to hear things and let my mind go crazy with them and come up with these, you know, scenarios of what's happening when it's not actually even really happening. Um, But I always, you know, kind of like didn't fully trust everyone in the beginning then, right? Whereas I might've had trust before more so. I was a little more skeptical. I needed to dig into people a bit more um, to really see if they were in my inner circle. I've kept my inner circle closer. You know, um, I let a lot of self-hate and doubt creep in because there's the whole why me um, question that ram- you know rolls around in your mind. Like, you know, what was the reason for it? How was I part of it? Like answers I'll probably never get in my lifetime. Um, but it does lead to things where, you know, you, you know, you can definitely think like there's something wrong with me. What did I do? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a huge rabbit hole that goes along with that of just feeling, just feeling doubt in who you are. Like, did I misstep somewhere? Was there something I did wrong? You know, how could I have changed it? What else could I have done? Like, and not knowing the why, um, used to really, really bug me for a long time because I always was afraid that 
I would repeat whatever it was <laughs> like, and here's the thing though. And I say it that way because my belief prior to therapy was that I did something to directly cause the threat, right? Like the perceived threat of life. I did something to cause it. Um, when in reality, I didn't. But the way I used to think about it was I must have done something to directly deserve this. Um, and like I said, I don't think that way now, but that was my mindset for a long time. So I was always trying to say the right thing, do the right thing, act the right way. And I mean more so than common courtesies and having manners and, you know, social etiquette. I mean, you know, tiptoeing in some ways, um, or I became very aware of, you know, I'm very aware of, um, people and their responses. And I, I think I do extra homework in that area to make sure I understand them more, which is in some way a benefit, right? Because that's where my good listening comes in. That's where, um, advice kind of comes from because I try to put myself in other people's shoes. But I think that originally started because I was trying to understand, you know, how to navigate people the way that I should to make sure again, that I didn't do anything to have anyone, you know, react to me or whatever, or which, like I said, I now know not anything I did or anything that way, but in my mind, that's how I had created it. And so I always just felt like I had to like prove myself um, and kind of play up what I had or, you know, trying to fit in uh, versus being truly unique and letting my uniqueness show. I felt like I had to simulate more or um, match, you know, others things. So I didn't like stand out. So for a long time, which is, you know, so different. Um, I always tried to be unique, but blend in at the same time. Like I still had me in there, but at the same time I was trying to, you know, wear the cool clothes or do this or that, or, you know, match other people's behaviors. But I've always had this, um, or I, I always had this like being of wanting to be the mother of the group, right? Like if a group of my friends and I were going out, I would be like the one on high alert, like watching every scenario, vetting every person that was interacting with our group, like all that kind of thing. Um, and I would be that type of the friend in the group where it was like, are you sure that's a good situation? I'm not sure that you should be doing that. <laughs> you know, um, some people referred to it as the party pooper, <laughs> right? Where I'd be the one dampening the thing because I was always on like overdrive, overly precautious. Like I said, overly aware, um, just seeing and looking for things that maybe weren't even necessarily there, but just always being on high alert. And, you know, now like it's kind of a little sneak peek of episode three, but things are different now. I just, I want to make sure you know that things are completely different now. Um, but friendships changed some of them, you know, and 
I do believe in that motto of friends are here for like, I think it's a reason season or a lifetime. Um, I do totally subscribe that not everyone needs to be in your life long-term, uh, but friendships definitely changed and shifted based on who I felt like I could really trust or who I felt like, um, you know, was there to support me versus judge me or whatever. So, cause you know, we can't have friends that are not the best for us or, or the best fit for our life. And so definitely I analyzed all of that, but, and I know I've said it, there was a lot of fear. And if I haven't mentioned that there was, there was a lot of fear, like I think I kind of lived a fear-driven lifestyle for a while. Um, I had this need to get stronger in some ways and feel like I could protect myself. But at the same time, I also, you know, had sleepless nights and, you know, maybe didn't do everything that I wanted to do or opportunities because I would always think about it first through the fear lens, like what could happen if I was there, what could happen in this situation. Um, and you know, just definitely go through every scenario. And I mean, from irrational to rational and beyond, like I went through scenarios on all like in the end of spectrums, like in between. And I would think of multiple for one situation. So it would be, you know, flooding my mind with just so many things when I started really going, or if it was a moment where I wasn't, I couldn't like stop myself and be like, Hey, okay, let's, let's really think about this. Um, you know, I could just put myself into quite a tizzy about something and get all worked up because I could only picture, you know, all these extremes and all these different things that I could paint that. And maybe they, yes, could have happened. Maybe they couldn't have happened. But the thing was like, my mind believed every single scenario I was creating could have happened. Um, and then, you know, the logical side would come in and deduce and stuff. But sometimes, you know, I was like, it's not worth me going if I'm going to be thinking about this the whole time or if it's going to cause me anxiety, um, if it's going to, you know, make me not enjoy the moment. And sometimes it was like, it's just easier not to right now because I clearly can't get myself to a place where I'm like, no, it's, you should go. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, so that happened a lot. And also, you know, there were triggers that would, so there were times when I wouldn't think about it at all. And like, I felt like I was just moving, you know, and doing things and whatever. And then, you know, I, I would feel like, Hey, I overcame all this. Like there were times where I was just like, wow, that's all in my past. I don't have that, you know, thoughts anymore about like the different scenarios or, um, you know, I don't feel the fear all the time. Like, so there were times when that would happen where I'd feel like, oh, hey, I totally worked through this all. I'm all good. And then like a trigger would happen 
whether that was me going public with something like, you know, social media being public or I don't know, just, (laughs) um, you know, doing my blog or like doing this podcast, in fact, um, competing in pageantry, like anything that might raise more awareness or have me on something, um, you know, if it was a publication or something where I might be seen more so than where I was. Like I always kept my socials, you know, locked down and private and only friends. And, you know, I had like the max security you can on those things, which I know isn't a ton, but like, you know, I would always have them locked down. And like, since going into pageantry and, you know, when I've done a blog in the past and all that stuff, I had to turn all that stuff private or public, right? Because you need followers. You want people to interact and see what you're doing. You want them to understand your content um, and get to know you. So that was a huge, like it took me a lot of effort for me to actually switch that stuff to public and to be okay with it because, you know, it was like I was exposing myself and I didn't know how to like necessarily protect myself, right? Um, Based on the mindset that I had been living in with fear. So like a change like that would send me back into the spiral of all these thoughts and um, things, right? And the feeling of fear and like just transporting me back into instances around the perceived threat of life. Um, another thing that always triggered me was, you know, whether it was gun violence or shooting at malls or, um, you know, just hearing which any of those things where people didn't have control over the situation. So not even just with guns, but like any situation that would come up where there was like an unexpected event that happened. Um, that led to people, you know, losing lives or being in that state of trapped, even though, and even like a tragic um, passing of a friend of mine, you know, that triggered me. Um, So it's really around like unexpected things like that. Um, Those instances though, I think in some ways I felt like, you know, that could have, like, I don't know that I think because I, I knew there was this perceived threat of life. Like, I feel like instances like that where people actually did lose their life or they went through a perceived threat of life too, in some way with that, it always made me jump back to like my story and my situation, even though like I didn't want to, I wanted to emphasize in those moments or, be support for others or, you know, think about the situation at hand. It's like my brain would make all these connections for me or tie things in where, um, it would transport me back to memories from around the time of the pursuit, um, sort of life incident where, you know, I would all of a sudden know and feel the exact same emotions that I did at the time. Um, it's like 
almost, you know, people talk about time travel or how cool it would be to just like jump back into a certain moment or time. And it's like, my brain was doing that for me where I would literally, you know, be in a totally safe environment, but yet I would be feeling the exact way that I did at the time I found out about everything. Like, you know, like my brain just kept, um, just kept those images in them. So, you know, it, it held on to so many feelings and, um, everything like that. So it's like every time a trigger would happen or, um, you know, something that was making me feel uneasy, it's like, I could remember the exact same feeling. So it's like, I was never truly escaping or being done with the, the incident. I always could transport back to the way I felt. And that's not a fun situation when you are constantly like jumping backwards into something that you're trying so hard to move on from. Um, and so it really did alter kind of the way I maneuvered and lived, you know? Um, and so, yes, it was a very, it was a tough thing, um, to go through and definitely something I probably should have gotten help for way before I did. However, with therapy, with, you know, things we go through in life, um, you have to be ready to do it. It's not something you can just say, okay, going to therapy today. Like you have to be ready to put in the work with it because it's not necessarily an easy process. <laughs> just a very rewarding process I have found for me in my situation and different for everyone, right? Everybody's situation is different. So I'm not talking in broad strokes or saying everybody should go to therapy or I, even the treatments that I did are going to work for anyone else. But I want to bring awareness to it because it may help somebody else explore or make them realize they're not alone in feeling certain ways or going through situations um, that may be unique to them or but we're all going through different things. So this is my accounting of my story and I'm sharing it because I'm hoping that this journey and what I went through will help, like I said, somebody else navigate whatever it is that they're going through. And I just want to say to wrap up this part one, episode one of the three part, my why, um, so fast forward a little bit. We're going to move into the future for a second. Um, definitely. I've already told you I went to therapy, but I learned that I had been living with PTSD and um, it was a higher level of PTSD because they there's a whole test and thing, which I will talk about a little bit more um, or assessment, I should say, in the next episode. But yes, I will leave it there. I had been living with PTSD. And on the next episode, we'll talk about what I did once I knew that I had it. So thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for giving me the space and respect and encouragement to share my story. 
um, with all of you. And again, I really hope it helps somebody think about their own situation or make moves in the way that they need to. And I will catch you next week. Thanks again for tuning in. That was your weekly dose of self-love with me, Lauren. Want more? Tune in next week and connect with me on Instagram at Mrs. Lauren Elizabeth Jones. Send me a DM. Let me know what you want to hear, what you think, and we'll talk about it all. Join me on the next Love Yourself Inside Out podcast.